Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Um, somebody asked me how I'm doing. I said, I'm doing fine as long as it doesn't hit triple digits right, outside, as long as it stays in the double digits. I'm good. And so uh, it's nice to be in the sanctuary where it is, it's cool. Um, before I begin uh, the message this morning, I want to just make a, a quick announcement that I forgot to make last Sunday. And that's that longtime church member, uh, Margaret Fujita, went home to be with the Lord um, on, on July 21st. And so many of you know Margaret, if you've been in the church for a number of years. Um, Margaret was 93, and uh, um, those of you that know her, her health, her health had been declining uh, for the past several years. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord about a week and a half ago. And our hearts go out to Andrew, her son, um, and, uh, and they have some relatives. Um, but please keep Andrew in your prayers, Andrew Fujita in your prayers uh, um, for his loss and um, that the Lord would guide him and comfort him in the coming days. So it's great to be together this morning. Uh, thank you for getting up and making church a priority. And, uh, and for those of you online as well, uh, tuning in. And I also wanted to personally welcome back the Naomi House team um, from their trip. Yeah, let's give. I am uh, super happy that you guys made it back safe and sound and you brought our kids back. Um, you know, I'm really happy because uh, I know you guys had some car troubles on the way. On the way going to Arizona, on the way coming back from Arizona, and I know it was our car, our minivan, that, that gave you some car troubles uh, on the trip. And so, um, in, in a Japanese fashion, Renee and myself and the Kishimoto family want to say how sorry we are <laughs> um, that we stuck you with an unreliable vehicle on a thousand mile trip across the desert. <laughs> right. And uh, we have a picture, yeah, there's the picture <laughs> uh, uh, of Stephen at the, at the garage uh, getting our car fixed. And I'm glad we got that Kodak moment. Um, but a big thank you to Stephen and to Jose and to Kylie. Uh, for being flexible, you know, for leading the team, for keeping the team safe, first and foremost, but leading them spiritually, you know, and handling all the car problems uh, during the week. You know, that, that, that is uh, a, a real hassle, right? When you go on a trip and you have other things in mind, you have a ton of other things you need to think about, and then you have car problems or you have logistical issues. Of course, God is faithful, Right? Amen. God is faithful. But when we heard about all the problems that the team had and you guys were having, and we were texting back and forth and, and getting on the phone, um, we were praying. We were praying that these problems would not derail the team right, from its purpose and mission, and that the team would get to experience all that God had for them right, and, and have a great time. And praise God, it sounded like that happened. Right? It sounded like the Lord was at work during the week, and I know many of you said, I could have stayed 
a lo- I could have stayed a week more. I could have stayed a month more. Right? I could have just immersed myself into what God was doing. And, uh, and so that's such a blessing. You know, we're going to hear from the team in a few weeks, as Stephen mentioned. And we're going to hear about some of their stories, their experience, and how God used them at Naomi House and how God blessed them. And so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, when it comes to getting derailed, this is something that happens to, uh, to people in all areas of life. Right? We don't, maybe we don't finish school. Like, we don't get the education or the degree that we had planned on. Um, maybe a job doesn't work out. Right? Or, or our finances, they go awry. We have sort of a budget, or we know what we should spend on, what we shouldn't, you know, and then it goes off the tracks. I think what most alarming is that getting derailed can happen in our Christian faith, in our walk with God, and it can happen so, so easily. Getting derailed to the point where we're rendered useless, or as we see in the passage today, fruitless, is a danger for all of us. And here's the tricky thing about it. Often the road to getting derailed, the road to going astray, is not a clear, straightforward path. It's not usually marked with big, bright signs that say, danger ahead, or don't go this way. Right? The enemy is subtle. The enemy is crafty this way. Right? People don't often say, I'm going to just stop walking with God right now. Or I'm going to phase out of church. I mean, some people do. But most of the time, it just happens. Right? It's almost seamless. A decision here, a choice there. And the next thing we know, our lives are are spiritually dry and God feels distant. And Jesus speaks of this in today's passage. And that's why I think we need to firm up our commitment to God now, up front, while today is today, while we're here. It's kind of like when you put a, um, when you rent a place, you know, or when you reserve a spot on a cruise or at a resort, right? You have to put a deposit down. Don't you hate that? Right? And for some people, it's not really because you have to put money down up front. It's that it, it impedes on our desire right, to have all our options open, but not make a real commitment. Right? It forces us to make a decision ahead of time. Are we going to do this? Right? Are we going to go through with this? And it's like we want to have our cake and we want to eat it too but we only want to do it when we want to do it. You know, when you actually put that deposit down, as much as I know I hate it, then you're more likely to go. Right? You're more determined to not let things deter you or derail you from going. And this morning, I'm not going to, you know, make you put a deposit down (laughs) or sign a contract, but I want you to decide or better yet, to resolve, to firm up your commitment to Christ, right? And to choose to be good soil. 
If you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 13, and we'll have this on the screen. Matthew verses 1 through 7, and God's word reads, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such cr large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you. We sit here in the sanctuary, Lord. We made the effort to come to church and to tune in, Lord. And um, Lord, we want to avail ourselves of you. We want to just open our hearts and, Lord, hear your word and receive it. And receive it honestly. Receive it uh, with joy. Lord, receive it openly so that you may work and grow in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would use um, the words of mine this morning. Lord, just to speak your message and that you would minister to our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we read this passage over and over. If you were here last week, right, we read the same six verses, and today all we added was verse 7. And we read it in hopes that God's word will take root in our hearts, that more and more the Holy Spirit will lead us to understand what it is he wants us to know and how to apply it to our lives. We see the crowds following Jesus, and Jesus has compassion on them. Right? And so he teaches them. What does he teach them about? He teaches them about the kingdom of God. Right? Much of Jesus' ministry and his teaching is not about himself. It's about the kingdom of God and what it's like and how it grows. And he wants everyone to know this wonderful thing, this magnificent thing that God is inviting them to. Jesus knows that just because they're following him around, right, or it seems like they're, they're, they're hiding outside his house, right, it doesn't mean they understand and believe God's message. There's a big difference, as the book of James says, between being a hearer of the word and being a doer. Here in Matthew 13, Jesus describes how people receive God's word and the message of the kingdom. And again, he does this by telling them this story about a farmer who goes out to sow his seed. Now, who's, who's the farmer? Right? God is. Jesus is the farmer. And the seed is God's word, the message of the kingdom. Jesus is sowing the good news among the people, telling them about God's great kingdom. And the soil is the heart of the person who hears God's word. And that would be you. That would be me. That would be the people listening to Jesus or the people throughout history who have heard the gospel message. And we see that there are four types of responses to God's word. 
right? So we can put up that slide with the, the soil. Right, first we see that some people have a hardened heart. They reject God's word outright, right? We know people like that. And they, they don't want anything to do with God. And they're re- represented by the path in the top left, right? And if any seed falls on it, it just sits on the surface until the birds come by and eat it. And it's snatched away by Satan. We see that some people have a shallow heart represented by the rocky ground on the bottom left. And they initially receive God's word with joy, and maybe a little sprout grows. But since the, since the word, but since the ground, excuse me, is full of rocks, and the soil is shallow, the word never takes root, and it dies out quickly. Today we get into the weeds or the thorns, right? And this is in the upper right. In Matthew 13, 22, Jesus interprets the parable and he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Today's soil represents a heart that's not fully committed to God. You say, but he's not the person who outright rejected God's word or the one whose faith was shallow. And you're right. Maybe he's a little further along. But this person's heart was still not fully given over to the Lord. I think sometimes it's hard for us to envision what that looks like, what a consecrated life looks like, one that is fully committed to God. Because we we don't see that much in our world today. Even among people who profess faith in Christ, we sometimes see a lack of commitment and a lack of conviction to what's important. We see public figures who say they're Christians but don't live by Christian values. We know co-workers who say they believe in God or neighbors, but they don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. Even churchgoers who profess to love Jesus but don't seem to care about the poor or the lost. See, there's a general lack of integrity here, and I see it in myself sometimes. The word integrity comes from the math term integer, for all you math geeks out there. It comes from the term integer, which means whole or undivided. To possess spiritual and personal integrity means to have a life that is undivided between what you believe and how you actually live and think in real time. What effect does the Word of God, do Christ's commands, actually have on our daily lives? James 1.8 speaks of this lack of integrity or this waffling back and forth when it says, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Right, who's, who's been watching the Olympics? Right? Any of you, all four or five of us? Right? <laughs> right? I know it's a strange year. Right? I know interest is, is way down. Uh, but I watched the Olympics a little bit. 
right? But I always admire the dedication of these athletes to try to get to the top of their sport. I read that many of them train five, six hours a day, six days a week, for four to eight years before they even make an Olympic team. Before they make the team. And then they train more once they do. You see, there are no half-hearted athletes competing in Tokyo right now. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things right, that can derail them from accomplishing their goals. Likewise, in the Christian faith, God's word is sown in us when we spend time in the word, when we come to hear God's preaching, when somebody shares with us, God's word is sown in us, and the goal is to live a faithful, Christ-like life and to do the will of God. But we live among thorns. Jesus says the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and in Mark 4, he adds, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, They choke the word. So visual, right? They choke the word, making it unfruitful. We live among thorns. God's word is not received nor lived out in a vacuum. Life is a constant minefield of worries, temptations, and preoccupations. I I, I picture it like we're on this continuum. I'm sorry, I got a bum shoulder. This really hurts to do this. It's this continuum right? And one minute, we're worried about not having, to li- having enough to live on, or we're worried about the health of a family member, or we're worried about not being liked by someone, right? Some very basic things. And then on the other end, the next minute, right, we have visions, we have fantasies, we're focused on being rich and winning the lottery, right, or buying a bigger house or car. And I think we waffle and we go between these things, all within between these two extremes. Right? And it's, it's this kind of preoccupation, all this worry or this focus in between that stifles the Holy Spirit work in our lives. But it's so consistent with the culture, it's so much like the world, that we hardly know what's happening. Right? We, we, hardly, we hardly detect it. And we drift, right? And we walk away. Look back with me at Matthew 13, verse 7, which says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Look closely. What grew up? The thorns grew up, not the plant. It was the thorns that grew. The question is for us today, what are you sowing into? What's growing in your life? What does your calendar tell you? What does your credit card statement tell you? Or your TV watching? Or your internet history? What are you sowing into your life? Are we sowing into the things of God? Back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, Moses addresses the Israelites before they enter the Promised Land. And he describes how God wants to show what a renewed life, what a renewed people, what they look like under God's blessing, right? And that's, that's what we want here. That's what we want in our lives, 
But just like Jesus, Moses lays out the thorns ahead. He talks about the worries about their enemies, who they're going to face, who they're going to have to do battle with. And he talks about the temptation toward pride and the temptation toward idols. He says in Deuteronomy 11:16, "Be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them." This is exactly what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 13. But not only will these other gods and idols make you bow down before them, they will choke the life out of you. Something else I want to see, I want us to see from Deuteronomy here is that Moses is instructing the people up front before they go into the promised land, right? Before they confront these worries and these temptations. He's calling them to firm up their commitment now. He says in Deuteronomy 4 through Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Right? And for good measure, he says, teach them to your children. Impress these things on them. See, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there is no room for these other things. There's no question, right, who your allegiance is to, who your devotion is for. Moses is saying to the people, remember that you're in a covenant relationship with the Lord. So before you leave this place today, he says, commit. Commit to uphold your end of the covenant no matter what happens tomorrow. See, beloved, we are saved by grace through faith. That's what Ephesians 2.8 says. But faith is proven by how we live, either as undivided for God or double-minded in the world. I love this quote, so you've probably heard me use this before or say it before, but Annie Dillard says, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Right? If we constantly give in to the worldly desires or we constantly prioritize other things above God, then that's what our lives are about. Those are the things we value most, no matter what we say or do here at church. Here in Matthew 13, as we wrap up, right, Jesus doesn't want the people following him to be thorny soil. Right? And that includes us. We hear the word of God. He doesn't want half-hearted people who hear the word of God and let the worries and temptations of life choke it out. Don't be what I would call an almost Christian. Right? One who says, I almost did this for the Lord. I almost did that for the Lord. I almost walked faithfully. I almost got involved at church. I almost went on that missions trip. But the worries, the temptations, the preoccupations, right, overwhelmed me. 
Don't be that person. Right? Like the Israelites and like Moses says, right, these things will confront us. Worries, troubles, temptations, preoccupation. Thorns abound in this world. And though they might stick us, right, they need not stifle us. Jesus wants people of integrity, people who hear the word of God, seek to understand it and bear fruit. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, gives a great picture of this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, right? or so to the world, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, good soil, Right, which yields its fruit in season and whose life and whose, whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Beloved, Jesus is inviting us to something wonderful, something magnificent. He's inviting us into his kingdom and his glory. Let us resolve to be people undivided for him and committed to letting the seed of God's word grow in our lives. Amen. Amen. We're going to come before the Lord's table now, and uh, I'll ask Pastor Yasu to join me.